You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Disney One by One. This week, we have The Three Caballeros. It's a very interesting film we will dive into. But first, don't forget to check us out on social media everywhere at Disney One X One. And of course, write us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever else you listen to the show. It'd be much appreciated. As always, with me on the show today, my brother, David. David, have you been to Bahia? Oh, I've been to Bahia, all right, <laughs> watching this movie. Thanks for having me back. We're going to dive into Three Caballeros, and to do that with us, our third Caballero on the show today, <laughs> my my friend, f- former classmate, maybe? Did we share classes? I don't know. One, I think. Andrew Perez, welcome to Disney One by One. Thank you. Nice to be here. It uh, seems a little interesting that you chose me for the Spanish movie. Yeah, como, como estas? Muy bien, y ah, tú? Yeah, bien, bien. That's about <laughs> all I got. <laughs> you are Cuban? Uh, yeah, yes. half, anyway. Half Cuban, all right. I was hoping for some sort of cultural context with this movie, even though it does not it does not visit Cuba. Not even close. <laughs> but, but at, least, at, least, at least we've got the name kind of sounds right, right? Yeah, close enough, right? So, P- Perez, um, we do a couple things with our, with our guest to start off the show. First... And this is probably going to be long, but I'll, I'll try to moderate it. Tell me, like, what your Disney history is, um, how Disney has influenced your life in some way or another. So much Disney history. Like, grew up going to the parks as a kid as, like, the primary option of vacation because mm-hmm. my parents were not very creative, I guess. <laughs> uh, I watched a lot of Disney movies as a kid. And, uh, yeah, they, they had a profound impact. And, like, to this day, I still catch myself humming, like, songs from Aladdin or combing my hair with a fork, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's quite a profound impact. And then I worked there. I guess it was ingrained in me for so long as a kid that I was like, ooh, it would be fun to work there. And it was for a time. How many, how many years did you work there? Uh, directly in the parks, I worked for a year and a half. Okay. And then in a roundabout way, working at ESPN, I worked for the mouse for another seven years. And I say that because our checks from ESPN still had Mickey on them. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) As would checks from Lucasfilm, as would checks from Marvel, as would checks from... Now, what, Fox, anyway. Fox now, Fox, uh, or 20th uh, Century Fox, yeah. The regionals, yeah, not the, uh, not the main network. Right. So, I, I need to hear about working in the parks. What were your main roles when you were there? Uh, I worked at the Indiana Jones stunt show for a while. Also at the Fantasmic nighttime show at Hollywood Studios. Okay. As a performer, as a, somebody who sat people in the crowd. Um. <laughs> uh, so you were in the stunt. You were in the stunt show. Yeah, uh, very very small role, but yes, I was. Okay, well, I needed. I need to know what the role was. <laughs> there were occasionally guys who would just like get picked out of the audience and beat up by the lead female character. Oh, so you, so you were the guy in the flower shirt. Occasionally. Okay. All uh, right. As a, as sort of like a 
last resort kind of. Okay. <laughs> He's already here. Throw him in. Because right. then I didn't okay. do anything else in the show. Um, I need I need all the details. <laughs> the details were I was bad at it. I didn't last long. Yes, you can be bad at getting hit in the head and falling on stuff. Well, because that guy typically <laughs> does like a really like hard fall. Yeah, yeah. It does it once you learn how to do it though. It looks way harder than it actually is. It's more about control than anything. Okay, and you played some costumed characters as well, correct? If I recall. No, no, I not not costume characters. I was like an escort for costume uh, characters. Okay. So like the people that you know are standing next to the characters when you say, "Oh, my camera is not working. Please take a picture." You know, and <laughs> that's <laughs> that was I was the guy saying, "Well, this is how your camera works." Okay, now let's take a picture. Got yeah. it. Got it. All right. What is like the craziest story you can tell from your time working in the park. <laughs> that I can tell. Three, four key words there. Uh, <laughs> well, the one that comes to mind and the one I think I've told you before is uh, there was a Disney has a couple of different areas where you can plan weddings and uh, have your weddings on Disney property. There's a place called the Wedding Pavilion where you can go and have your wedding with Disney characters involved, start to finish. You know, they can be in the ceremony, they can be in the reception. And you can, like, see the castle in the background, Yeah, right? you see across the lake, you see ca castle in the background. And, yeah, so I, the most the thing that sticks out to me the most, and I don't know if I'll get in trouble for saying this or not, but there's a there was a, a very drunk party of groomsmen who uh, decided that they wanted to see if Mickey could swim. <laughs> well... The person playing Mickey could not, in fact, swim inside the costume. Uh, not as buoyant as you would think for having a plastic head, I guess. Um, <laughs> they got superfluously drunk, decided to take a group picture, and at the end of the group picture, proceeded to lift them concert-style above their heads and throw them into the lake behind where they were taking pictures of the pavilion. That did not end well, because A, it's very hard to swim in the costume, and B, all the children at the wedding discovered that there's a person inside, and not only was it a person, it was a female person playing male Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Needless to say, that party got shut down real quick-like. Does that person get in trouble for taking the head off, even though they may have drowned? Probably fired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't in that situation. Yeah. It is, from all I can tell, it is it is very strict. Oh, yeah. And isn't there, like, a rule about having, like, multiples of one character out in the park at a time? If that happens, yes. you're, like, both fired immediately? Uh, I don't know about the both fired immediately, but they're very stringent on, like, scheduling and getting them in and out because they don't want that illusion of reality of there only being one to ever be crossed over, you know? Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a little disconcerting when one Goofy is getting off of work. And you see him making out with the Goofy who is coming into his shift right before they, you know, go out in front of people. <laughs> Which I'm sure is fairly common at Disney. Uh, and that's oh, understatement. Yeah. Fascinating. I love it. <laughs> I want to know everything, but we'll move on. <laughs> so, Perez, the other thing we do is we ask our guests what their top five Disney movies are out of this list of over 50 that we're going through. So uh, why don't you start with your number five? So I would say probably top five would have to be Aladdin, Lion King, Jungle Book, 
now that I'm thinking about it, all of those have like a lion or a tiger in them. Maybe there's a theme here. Um, probably Little Mermaid is in there somewhere. Uh, and then Winnie the Pooh. I'm, I'm fairly certain I had a Winnie the Pooh coffee mug until like junior year of college. So. <laughs> okay. And of those, which one would be number one? Aladdin. Easily right. Aladdin. Leaps and bounds ahead of the rest of them. Did you ever, ever have to accompany Jafar or the genie in the parks? Uh, the genie, no. The genie is more of a rare character. I saw Jafar every once in a while in my in my excursions around the park, but never never the genie. I think you're the first guest to have Aladdin at number one. The Lion King has definitely been the most popular number one choice. Well, I mean, I get it. It's Lion <laughs> King. It's it's a cl- one of the all time classics, but I, for me, Aladdin was just. It may have been because it was the one I had the most access to. Like, that was the one I could put in. I knew how to put in myself. So yeah. I just watched it. every Like, every child who has a favorite movie, they watch it 7,000 times before, you know, before they realize that there are random whisperings that you don't... <laughs> in the movie that you don't discover until you're old enough to understand what they mean. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we watched Bambi a couple weeks ago, and, and that movie has, that's deep. I never realized yeah, that. Yeah, there's a lot of heady stuff in that movie. There's a, yeah, they, there's a lot of, like, going through the seasons of life, and it's, it's, it's it was very interesting. Yeah. And it was something I definitely did not notice as a child. Mm-mm. I just wanted to know where mommy was. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> All right, and with that, we will move on to the three caballeros. And now, our feature presentation. Walt Disney does it again. For the merriest musical screen surprise of them all is headed your way. They're the three Cavaleros, a reckless, amorous, swashbuckling trio riding a magic carpet to romance and adventure. So first, as always, some historical context for you. If you want to hear the full story of this, you can check out our Saludos Amigos episode because both of these movies kind of spawn from the same trip to South America that Walt and his team took during World War II. Three Caballeros is the second of, I think, six package films that were created in the 40s and 50s where it's basically a bunch of shorts kind of just shoved together because they didn't have the money to make a full feature. The movie was initially released on December 21st, 1944 in Mexico City and later February of 1945 in the United States. It was eventually nominated for two Oscars, one for musical score and one for best sound recording. And I think... I could be wrong. David, maybe you can remember. I think every movie we've gone through so far has been nominated for some sort of Oscar, which is kind of impressive. Yeah, I think you're right. So I mean, that's about it. If you want to hear the rest of the big historical context, you can listen to Saludos Amigos. David, do you have any more fun facts about Three Caballeros? I have a couple. It was hard to find some for this movie compared to others. Um, one, if you didn't know, there is a Three Caballeros boat ride in Epcot oh, yeah. in the Mexico section oh, yes. <laughs> um, that is loosely tied to the movie. It has a couple scenes. Where they reanimated everything for the ride. Um, there's also like a little, uh, it's a small world type section with those characters dancing around and you get a glimpse into the Mexican restaurant at the beginning of that ride as well. So that's a fun, peaceful ride. That ride wasn't always uh, themed to the Three Caballeros. Originally, it was just like a ride through the countryside of Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Rio del Tiempo or something like that. Yep. The River of Time. And then they decided that they needed to re-Disney-fy all of the things in Epcot and added the characters later. 
What do you think about that? Not to get on a gigantic tangent, but they also got Maelstrom turned into Frozen. They're building Ratatouille. They're they're building Guardians of the Galaxy. You got to keep up with the times. People, like, to be honest, I maybe saw the movie we're talking about today once before before I went to rewatch it again for this conversation. So the, the audience that would understand these characters doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, but... I get that they want to include animation just so that kids aren't like, what am I doing for the next three and a half minutes? Right. And there's actually... These rocks are boring. <laughs> there's actually talk of them turning that into a cocoa ride. That does not surprise me in the least. But yeah, it would make that makes a lot of sense. It'd be an easy changeover, too. But I, the three caballeros are dear to my heart, as we'll discuss soon, so that'll be sad for me. But <laughs> They also, I don't know if you saw this, Dave, but in the Disneyland version of Small World... It's a small world. They have they've added a bunch of Disney characters in in their small world esque form. So in the Mexico section or whatever, they actually have the three caballeros in like small world looking characters. Okay, I did not know that. Another fun fact, and my final fun fact is um, this was the first feature film to really interact animated characters with live action people. Like Mickey and Fantasia kind of interacted with the composer, but not yeah, like as much as they though. did. Yeah. Yeah, in this movie, so that's another interesting point about this film. Yeah, and it's it's very impressive for 1944, for sure. Yes, 16 top tunes for your heart, a thousand thrills for your eyes, and no end to laughs in Walt Disney's latest pleasure-packed full-length Technicolor feature, The Three Caballeros. Perez. Yes. You mentioned that you may have seen this movie once before. What preconceived notions did you have before watching it again? Maybe just the ride? Preconceived notions of the movie? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, to be honest, when I first reread it, not remembering that I had once seen it before, I thought that we were talking about the Three Amigos from SNL. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, no, that can't be right. Yeah. Uh, Where's Chevy Chase? Yeah, exactly. No, really, the only thing I could really remember from the first time was the stuff that I'd seen again in the movie, you know, Angry angry Donald. And, yeah, sure. You know. All right, David, did you have any preconceived notions? Had you seen this before? I don't think I'd seen the whole movie before. I definitely had seen clips from, like, sing-along tapes that we had. Yeah, yeah. But had never actually seen the movie. And so, yeah, just kind of the ride at Epcot. I was familiar with the characters... Um, but I hadn't seen most of the segments that are in the movie. It was nice to see for the first time. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, this movie is near and dear to my heart. It was one of the few movies that our grandma had like in her basement on VHS. <laughs> so we would like go and swim in their pool, you know, and then we'd all with the cousins and we'd be tired and go down in the basement and watch a movie. And it was often three caballeros for some reason, because that's like one of the only options. And because of that, this one's like way up on my list of favorites, believe it or not. For as what was it ranked? And it was in your I think top I ranked five, it, right? I think I ranked it number two. <laughs> <laughs> like behind Lion King. Oh, uh, another Lion King. Yeah. Ah. Um, I mean, Toy Story would be number one, but that doesn't count on this list, unfortunately. Pixar. We're not doing <laughs> Pixar. So I've seen this movie, I don't know, dozens of times. And it's it's definitely uh, one of my favorites and there's just so many sequences 
and characters in it that I love. So we'll dive into that. But first, if you haven't seen this movie ever, or if you haven't seen it in a while, here is a recap of The Three Caballeros in 60 seconds. The Three Caballeros consists of a number of different segments featuring a combination of animation and live action. It begins with Donald Duck's birthday, and he receives three presents from Latin America. The first is a film projector, which pops out and shows a documentary about birds. It then plays the story of Pablo, a penguin on a quest for warmer weather. He should be the happiest penguin in the world. Next is the flying guachito, about a boy from Uruguay who finds a winged donkey named Burrito. Next, Donald gets a book, and Jose Carioca returns from Saludos Amigos to tell him all about Bahia, a part of Brazil. Have you ever been to Bahia? They enter the book and meet some samba dancing locals, including Aurora Miranda, who Donald falls in love with. After returning to reality, they open the next present, and Panchito appears. Aha, my friends! The three of them sing the Three Caballeros theme song in dramatic fashion as a piñata appears, leading to a Christmas story. Christmas. Christmas. Next, they go on a flying carpet ride over Mexico, where they learn a few dances, and Donald continues to lust after every Latin woman he sees, but they all shrug him off. The movie ends with a trippy sequence of music, and horny Donald, and beautiful women, and flashy visuals, and bullfights, and fireworks. Sound insane? It is. Elfine, the end. All right, three caballeros. This is, this is a weird one. Perez, what was your initial reaction after watching this for maybe the second time ever? Um, well, the first thing that popped in my head when I was thinking about how I could explain it was basically like the the worst Amazon delivery ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, here, here's an acid trip in a box. <laughs> I mean, just there's just so much going on in the movie, like once you think you figured out something then oh, we're on to the next thing box number two box yeah. number three you know it just whoa what there's was there a conclusion to that i'm i'm not sure maybe I, let me go kiss a bird and find out <laughs> david what was your initial reaction after watching this movie um similar reaction just like all over the place and definitely disjointed kind of like um saludos amigos and some other some other of these earlier disney movies are all kind of seem a little bit segmented i wish they were more of a full complete story but like this movie includes a christmas story it includes (laughs) like (laughs) chasing girls inappropriately on a beach and penguins 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 it's just all over the place um I mean, it was interesting, but as far as like a story, flying donkeys, yeah, and a complete movie, I didn't think it really did it for me. Um, so that's kind of my <laughs> initial reaction. All right. First off, we get like the best narrator voice ever, and then he does have a pretty good voice. And yeah. then the guy who tells the penguin story is the guy who does the voice of Winnie the Pooh, and you can and, tell and Ka from jungle book and he's also the voice of the stork in dumbo so that's like those things are great <laughs> so I, I love that guy i love penguins so as as, as you were saying this, this movie starts off where donald gets this this present and he opens it up and you know everything he opens somehow it's all connected to south america loosely to some, to some extent <laughs> the first thing that we see is this this bird film called Aves Reras, correct? You want to try that again? Uh, Aves Reras. Raras. 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 That's the word for strange in Spanish. Okay. Raras. Yeah. 
Aves raras. Aves raras? See, si, senor. That means strange birds. Which begins with the story of, uh, I don't know if the penguin had a name. Um, Pablo, I think? Yeah, maybe. That sounds about right. And he wants to, he hates being cold, and so he's trying to make it to the Galapagos Islands. So that's the, that's the South America connection, I suppose. Any thoughts on this, on this initial short film in the movie? I'm guessing this was your favorite segment as a child, Mike, since you're obsessed with penguins. Yeah, well, let me, let me set this up. Too. <laughs> Rewind! <laughs> so in second grade... My second grade teacher was this older lady who was obsessed with penguins. And we basically did like a year long unit on penguins. I learned very little math. Like third grade when multiplication tables started, I was very bad at them. And I still am not good at mental math, but I know a lot about penguins. <laughs> what species of penguin are the ones in this? Um, well, that one. Oh, gosh. It's a gentoo, <laughs> Caught me right? off guard. Uh, emperor. Gentoo, right? No, they're not emperor. Oh. No, they're they're gentoos, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> they may not actually be a specific, but they're probably like jackass penguins, which are awesome, which are also called gentoos. No, gosh, I don't know. It's been the second grade was a long time ago. Well, as long as you can remember that two penguins make one egg, then you got your math part of it too. Right, indeed. And then they march, and <laughs> then they march year. somewhere. Yeah. And then Mr. Then Mr. Popper comes in at some point. Yeah, it, this it, it reminded me a lot of uh, of Frozen with uh, Olaf. The same idea. Olaf is constantly uh, pining for summer. I'll take your word for it. I never saw it. Oh, you haven't seen it? All right. There's a whole <laughs> no. musical. Never mind. All right. We'll get to that when we get to Frozen. We leave little Pablo, a bird in paradise, a picture of health in his new coat of tan. He should be the happiest penguin in the world. Okay, the next part is we start, we meet all the birds, which I, I love this part too. This is so much fun. Including the... The Arukan. Did I say that right? Arukan? Mm-hmm. Close enough. <laughs> Slightly annoying bird. Now, he's called the Arukan because of the peculiar song he sings, which sounds something like this. That song was my ringtone at one point in my life. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I think the part that I liked the most about that, just from like a filmic perspective, was this was one of the first times I know of, at least that I've seen, and I do watch a good bit of like older movies, Yeah. where like they intentionally broke the fourth wall by having characters like run off film strips and, yeah. you know, that sort of stuff. Like I don't, I don't, can't think of many that had done that before this movie yeah it's a very unique and fun conceit for sure yeah adios amigo adios all right from there we're moving along through these short films that somewhat remotely connect to each other um after that we get a long story about a boy and a flying donkey <laughs> what did you guys think about this one does this come before or after pinocchio it is after pinocchio so, are we finding a different trope here Ooh, that we didn't like, realize I wonder before, if... like flying donkeys and? Right, David. What was the name of the boy that turned that that turned? Well, I guess quite a few of them turned into donkeys. You mean the mean boy? Yeah, well, I forget his name. <laughs> I don't know his name, but I don't think it's supposed to be the same character. If that's what you're insinuating. We can we can dream. I'm just saying maybe maybe we're you know 
maybe we've stumbled upon like a time a time frame trope of making donkeys that can fly and yeah. humanizing them for some reason. Or maybe it's some sort of social commentary that we're not aware of all these years later. I like to think they're connected. That's, that's a good thought. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I think that this storyline did go on a little too long compared to the other ones. I don't know. It's supposed to give us insight into what the, are they called gauchos? The gauchos. Mexican mm-hmm. cowboys. But I mean, it didn't really do that. It was a flying <laughs> donkey and then the races and yeah i think we we got a we got a better gaucho story in the in saludos amigos with goofy well maybe it's not better but yeah i'd <laughs> like more the better coherent. for sure <laughs> what became of the flying donkey you ask neither him nor me was ever seen again as long as we lived all right from there we meet joe carioca jose joe whatever we call him uh who who also is is from saludos amigos and he sort of starts taking this is where the movie just they decide to kind of stray from these short films to some extent and have some sort of narrative begin. <laughs> I don't really know. And he pulls out this pop up book and we get we get Baia, Baia, a very soothing sequence in this movie. Ha, Baia. This part of the movie is kind of where it gets off the rails a little bit. (laughs) So, like, there's clearly two separate stories initiated by Donald opening up the packages with the pen or three stories: the penguins, the birds, and then the gaucho. And then this is just when it starts to feel like more of an acid trip, just everything blending into different styles of animation and like. Lots of different songs with different styles of animation. It just got kind of weird um, from here. And then they start... I'm kind of moving ahead a little bit. Then they start dancing and singing with real people, which we haven't seen earlier in the movie. And it's just like, what <laughs> right. the heck? Well, and then they're like miniature size and they have to blow themselves back up after she kisses them. And like, <laughs> what's going on here? I want to talk about that first dancing, though. Well, well, first we get this like train sequence, which I really that thought was fun. The, this pop-up book and then there's sort of this kind of 2d train that they get on and the the autocon comes back and messes with it this and not to get on too big of a tangent but that train artwork and then also uh the christmas story are very much the work of mary blair perez are you familiar with mary blair I am not. Is she from the Witch Project? No. So she. <laughs> no, oh, like the Black Goddess. <laughs> she is one of the most prominent artists in the early Disney days. She is most famous for basically designing everything in Small World. Mm, okay. That's like her her deal. Is small. All those characters are Mary Blair. Which, if you think about that Christmas story now, those characters are very Small World esque. Yeah, they are. Um, she also created the giant mural that's in the contemporary hotel. There's like a giant like Western theme mural right by the monorail. You, you can't miss it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. And it has like a four-legged goat that's like some popular thing. You got to spot the mm-hmm. four-legged goat in the contemporary. But that's, that's Mary Blair. She was like one of... She was the art supervisor. That was her role for both Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros. And she did prominent work on Cinderella and Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan as well. So... Um, I just wanted to bring her up because she's a she's a star in these days of very kind of sexist times. 
which this movie was very sexist as well. (laughs) And a little bit racist if it was made today. I don't think this movie gets made today, to be honest. No. In in current political atmosphere, I'm not sure this movie gets made. Yeah, and you could have more to say about it than I can. I, I've definitely found it more sexist than racist. Like I thought it was just kind of charming a lot of the a lot of the cultural stuff, but maybe it is. Some racist. of the some of the characterizations, like the that they ascribe too much to like broad stroke perceptions of what South America was like for most people who had never been there. Sure. Which weren't necessarily helpful. <laughs> yeah. Right. If it were to be made today, I don't think I think there would be a lot of like that's too broad. You can't say that. Not all of us do that. Kind of yeah, thing. and it kind of seemed like some of the background humans were not of proper descent. No. They definitely filmed all of the live action stuff in a studio in California. And that was not done in South America. And they brought in some stars. I think one of the ladies' names was, was Aurora Miranda. <laughs> I butchered that. Aurora Miranda. And uh, a couple others that are listed in the, in the opening credits that were sort of famous singers and dancers in South America. But some of those background people, uh, like the guy, the guy playing the stick on his teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite. That guy was not. That guy was no. definitely like from California. Yeah, def- decidedly so. So in that first dance scene with Aurora Miranda and the tooth playing stick guy, we get Donald's like first like orgasmic vision (laughs) 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 he gets kissed and then it goes crazy Mm -hmm. including two of the guys turn into silhouettes of like roosters Mm -hmm. in his they they knew full well what they were doing yeah there was there's lots of innuendo in there no doubt about it and it only escalates from there we'll carry (laughs) on Donald gets his first taste of a kiss, and then the rest of the movie is just about horny Donald trying to get <laughs> girls. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's exactly what it is, as, yeah. as I think Perez even said at the top. <laughs> but, but we need to first talk about the most famous sequence is coming up next, where we meet Panchito. Panchito! And I think together we should all sing the Three Caballeros song as, as oh, Three no, Caballeros. You don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> you don't want to hear me sing. No, no, no. <laughs> We're three caballeros, three gay caballeros. They say we are birds of a feather. What do you guys think of this sequence? It's actually pretty fun. Um, I think this was the song I had seen on like the sing-along tape, I believe. So I definitely <laughs> recognized it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't like have the song memorized or anything, but it's definitely something that's stuck with me somewhat. Okay, so Perez, in the song, one of the lines is, What means I caramba? <laughs> so what, what is the direct translation of that? It's kind of like... Uh... If you were to say something, like when something surprised you, like, oh my goodness, yeah. you know, or I can't believe that just happened, that kind of thing. I caramba would be like, oh, like, oh man, or oh my goodness, or, you know, one of those kind of things. Depends on the context, too. We sing and we samba, we shout, hi caramba. What means hi caramba? Oh yes, I don't know. Yeah, then we get some Mary Blair Christmas. And uh, let's just dive into this. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to... They bust out a magic carpet, and uh, we get another dance scene. I think Donald gets kissed again. 
Uh, is it a magic carpet? I thought it was a magic poncho, which is like a sweat shirt kind of. No, thing. okay. I I don't know. I don't poncho, remember. Poncho, poncho. Yeah, it, I thought it was a poncho. It's a, okay. Which is Wiki, Wikipedia like, says a flying serape. A poncho. Yeah. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Same thing. Serape is is yeah. the Spanish word for how we would say a poncho. Got it. So okay. so basically, it's a over outerwear that's supposed to add an extra layer for warmth when it gets cold at night. Mm-hmm. But also traditionally worn during celebration times for outward expression of clothing celebration. Sure, and I think we see a bunch of people wearing them in the, the, the yes. next scene where they're all dancing and singing and playing uh, whatever that song was. I like that song. It's very catchy. Um, and then Donald gets kissed again, and I think this is when we start going crazy because we end up on a beach. Um, mm-hmm. I want to read... <laughs> I don't typically just straight up read uh, the Wikipedia descriptions, but the description of this next sequence uh, just cracked me up. So I'll just read this and then we can we can discuss. So. The skies of Mexico City result in Donald falling in love with singer Dora Luz. The lyrics in the song itself play parts in the scenarios as to what is happening as well. This Then several imagined kisses lead to Donald going into the love is a drug scene. Donald constantly envisions sugar rush colors, flowers, and Panchito and Jose popping in at the worst moments, making chaos. The scene changes after Donald manages to dance with Carmen Molina. Um, the two dance to a song. Carmen begins to sing the song, da-da-da. Donald quacking out the rest of the chorus. The drunkenness slows down for a second after Donald multiplied himself while dancing, but speeds up again when Carmen reappears, dressed in a charro's outfit, and uses a horse whip as a conductor's baton to make cacti appear in many different forms while dancing to another song. The scene is interrupted by Panchito and Jose suddenly spice things up for the finale of the movie. Donald ends up battling a toy bull. Um, the, the catch is that it's loaded with firecrackers and other explosives. Following with fireworks finale, with the words of the end exploding from the fireworks. Anyway, this scene is insane. It honestly kind of like reminded me of like 2001: A Space Odyssey or something. Like, that's a good comparison. Yeah, <laughs> just like nonsense colors and, and things. Well, <laughs> I mean, here comes a hot take. Not really. The the exploding bull at the end to me was always like, all right, this bull. finally (laughs) yeah it was so it's really like the last i don't know 10 minutes are the ultimate acid trip that we that we talked about Mm -hmm. i don't know (laughs) what do we think about this well you skipped over the beach scene oh yeah sure Uh, talk about that jose (laughs) they're flying in like a fighter jet like strafing runs on the beach and all the girls are like oh no and Jose like has his umbrella out and his, or it's, maybe it's the telescope. He's like almost poking it in this one girl's butt as she's running away. <laughs> what the heck is going on? That goes on for a long time too. That goes on. Like, yeah, I was gonna say that c- keeps on for a while. <laughs> Another reason why this movie wouldn't get made these days. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I'll say that like the animation in this end sequence is very impressive. Like people sat and drew all that by hand and and conceived of that and. You know, that whole thing I just read through was on a, on the surface very impressive. Absolutely, and I mean it was 1944-45. I mean for nineteen forty five, they don't have all these tools that help them aggregate all of these drawings and stuff that they have. You know, now if they were to draw it by hand, like that that took some serious work to get all that done that way. I just keep thinking like 
these guys are in the writing room going, well, let's see what we can get away with. Nobody's <laughs> been to any of these places, so we can make up whatever we want about them and just go with it. <laughs> well, and the other thing is, as we mentioned in the last episode, this movie and Saludos Amigos and the entire trip to South America was funded by the U.S. government. And so what? even if they, yeah, even if they didn't make uh, any money back on this, they were still getting paid for it. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, you'll need to listen to the last episode, Perez. Yeah, it was all aimed to improve relations with South America and Central America and the U.S. During World War during, II in order to yeah. tell them to not join the Nazis, basically. So come come to America, we have acid? Was that the message? Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess my, <laughs> my point is, is they kind of could do whatever they wanted because they were getting paid to make this movie and everyone was worried about the war. <laughs> Right. And they were on vacation in South America for 10 weeks. Were they scoping out Hitler's hiding spot? Or? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but the thing is, is like, if you look at some, I and mean, we've, we've watched a bunch of these movies already, you know, Pinocchio has some weird stuff. Fantasia, some weird stuff. Dumbo, the pink elephant scene. Dumbo, I don't know if you remember yeah. that, Perez, is messed up. So like, this yeah. is like, this is common. I, I really think it's like, all right, let's throw this in here to see what people say about it kind of stuff. Like like the pink elephant. Fantasia was more like that was just another trip from the start, like dancing broomsticks and all that other stuff. Um, I, <laughs> I I found a review from the New Yorker from when the movie came out, and this guy Wolcott Gibbs. Wow, that's says a, uh, that's a 1945's name if I've ever heard it. Yeah, he says such a concept is one of those things that might disconcert less squeamish authorities. It may even be said that the sequence involving the duck, the young lady, and the long alley of animated cactus plants would probably be considered suggestive in a less innocent medium. So even then, they were <laughs> catching on to some of this stuff. <sighs> though, though verbose, quite eloquent. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Um, all right, let's move on. Let's wrap this sucker up because it's been going on for too long. <laughs> um, so Perez, we'll get your final thoughts, but also on this show, we, well, I think I know the answer to this, but we have sort of have an arbitrary rating system. You know, we've done out of seven dwarfs and out of, you know, whatever, but I think this just has to be out of three caballeros. So how would you rate three caballeros out of three caballeros? And then give give me your final thoughts. Decimal points are fine if you need to do that. I was gonna say, are we based on what on just how how you enjoyed it? How entertaining it was. Yeah. I mean, how you would rate it if you wrote a review? I would probably give it a two out of three if I wasn't high, <laughs> and like a two point eight if I was. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, like all things considered the time that it was created the reason it was created that I now know I don't really know what else they could have done with it <laughs> if they were going to stick to that formula of the presence and the which seems to be a trope yeah it was entertaining I mean you just it's one of those movies where you just kind of got to like not think about it critically and just enjoy what's happening on the screen and then you know in whatever amount of time it was that it was just be like, all right, well, I'm not getting that hour back and then move <laughs> on. You know, <laughs> that's why I love it. <laughs> you just let it wash over you. It doesn't yeah, have to exactly. make sense. You don't have to have any basis of knowledge to understand what's going on. 
because no one understands what's going on. <laughs> right. You don't you don't have to have any preconceived notion about where it's happening because again, no one had been there. <laughs> so for all intents and purposes, it was just good good old mostly clean good clean fun. Yeah, I mean and there was no Google back then, so no one knew what it looked like down there. So. <laughs> yeah. All right, David, out of three caballeros, what do you give three caballeros? <laughs> I give this movie a 2.0 out of three. Okay. I think, like, as a movie to entertain children who would watch it, you know, like a couple segments at a time, like, oh, this is fun, and I like the songs to sing along to, it'd be good for that purpose, but as, like, a an overall movie and like a cohesive story and <laughs> a film, I think <laughs> around a two out of three is kind of what I would give it. I mean, my favorite scene was definitely the penguin scene at the beginning. I think it had the clearest story and it was like a character that you, you cared about in the, in the 12 minutes that he's on screen. And um, I really, for some reason, I really like the like caricatures they do of, the continents and I've done that a little yes. bit in previous movies like Dumbo, like uh, bird's eye view, car- caricature style landscapes. I think that, that that's pretty cool. And they did that in this segment. Yeah, it's um, in Dumbo at the beginning with the storks and it's in mm-hmm. Saludos Amigos. They do the same thing. And then uh, three caps. I, I agree with you. I love I love those sort of dumbed down aerial maps of their locations. Yeah. Um, so just like overall, I think that this movie would work more as like a serialized cut up thing with different segments but that being said the whole second half doesn't really work as well if that were the case so yeah i stick with my two i i cannot not give this movie three caballeros i love everything about this movie and obviously my history with it makes a big difference because i've been watching it since i was a child and i have many memories of it but i just think everything about it from the bird film at the start to the all the fun songs in various uh countries that are actually in a back lot in burbank <laughs> and uh the trippy horny vision at the end <laughs> <laughs> it's all great i love it so anyway i'm gonna wrap this guy up perez thank you so much for joining us i'm glad we we got it to work out yeah yeah me too even though it is currently 1 30 in the morning where you are oh yeah yeah is it really <laughs> or no, should it, i say ay caramba, ay, is caramba. Really? <laughs> yes. what means ay caramba david thank you again david see si. me me how do you say brother um, <laughs> hermano. Mi hermano. Mi hermano. Muchas, muchos gracias. Muchas, muchas gracias. gracias. Yeah. De nada. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Buen hecho, Miguelito. Buen hecho. <laughs> With that. Um, don't forget to check us out on iTunes. Write us a review. And if we get reviews, we'll read them on the show. So that's great incentive for you. Um, Perez, go ahead and write something in Spanish and I'll try to read it. Um, <laughs> done and done. Next week, we have Make Mine Music, another one of these compilations of shorts. So so uh, we'll see what we've got. All right, that's it. Goodbye. Good night. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1. 
and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. Adios, amigos. <laughs> All three of you. <laughs>